What's up? Welcome in. It's episode 45 of Covering the Bases, the official podcast of USA Baseball. I'm Darren Vaught, and uh, I thank you for tuning in, checking us out, however you may be doing so. Whether it's here, you can see me uh, on YouTube via the USA Baseball YouTube channel, or if you're listening via Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, wherever. It's greatly appreciated. And I'm excited for this prospect on deck episode of the pod because it's a guy who I got to know when he was with the collegiate national team back in 2018. He is a product of the University of Kentucky. Shout out Big Blue Nation. If you guys are listening or watching, we uh, we welcome you to USA Baseball's Covering the Bases. And he got drafted by... So th- this is the, the great thing about Zach. He went from one of the more adamant and passionate fan bases in all of collegiate sports with the University of Kentucky to sort of the equivalent in Major League Baseball because he got drafted in the first round, 19th overall in 2019, to the St. Louis Cardinals. So another very passionate fan base that loves their team. So I think he probably saw some similarities between the two. And uh, in 2018, was a member, again, of the collegiate national team. And just like one of the, the more wholesome guys. You, you'll find out when, when, you, when you hear his responses to some of the questions that I ask. Just a genuine dude. And very earnest in everything that he does. Really easy to root for. So let's get right to it with Zach Thompson of the 2018 collegiate national team. A product of the University of Kentucky and now in the St. Louis Cardinals organization here on episode 45 of Covering the Bases. Colin, roll the open. Field at the USA Baseball National Training Complex in Cary, North Carolina. This is Covering the Bases with Darren Vault. All right, so 2018 Collegiate National Team member Zach Thompson with us on Covering the Bases. Um, Zach, first and foremost, how are you, man? I'm sure it's 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 been good to to be able to to play baseball in a in a more normal setting than uh, was the case last year, right? Because I mean, last year you were you were all amped up for your first full season of professional baseball before uh, COVID sort of turned the world on its head. Yeah. Um, first of all, thanks for having me. But uh, yeah, doing good now that things are starting to get back to normal. You know, made it through my first full spring training now since I got cut short last year and. Um, here at the alternate site here in St. Louis, and just having fun and getting after it and getting ready for the season to start. Well, describe to me too, before we move on into to the, the, the less bleak times, um, what was last year like for you? That, I mean, in last year, by that, I mean the 2020 season, because you were drafted in 2019, got a short stint in the minors before that season was over. And then again, 
you know, in 2020, you're expecting to play your first full season of minor league baseball, and it it just doesn't quite happen that way. How how was it from your perspective? Yeah, um, yeah, start off uh, first big league spring training. Um, now that, that was uh, that was a lot of fun, uh, a lot of good work. Uh, it's a good good chance to. I thought it was going to be a good chance to start my career there and uh, get that first season under my belt spring training and you know we were we were in a holding pattern most of the summer and then finally get to get the call to come back to St. Louis for ended up being like a week and a half and then went to the alternate site for the rest of the summer which was weird. Um it was probably 30 of us um sort of practicing, sort of scrimmaging, not really playing games. So it was it was almost like a like an, another spring training for the rest of the year. So uh, it's definitely a challenging year baseball-wise. For sure. And and um, the last thing I'll ask about that, because, again, we've got more promising things to discuss. Uh, I, I have talked to other people who were at alternate sites for their respective teams, like, for instance, an Adley Rutschman, who you played with on the collegiate national team. And um, he, he sort of – described it as maybe tough to to keep yourself motivated obviously at this point you guys are all professionals you 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 know how to go in and take it seriously every day and do a job but without having competition against other teams it it just it was missing something that that baseball for you I'm sure as well has always had in that sort of spirit of competition opposing players that you're not familiar with and you're not seeing in practice every day. Absolutely. It's hard when, you know, we have that killer instinct and you can't really let that out in practice. It's like, uh, you feel like you're in a zoo. You're kind of a, you're a bit of a caged lion there. It's, it was definitely a challenge. <laughs> um, let's move on to, to bigger and brighter things. You of course were, as I mentioned, a first round pick in 2019, 19th overall, um, I, I was intrigued by this because as I as I started to like p- poke through your biography, Zach, I noticed that out of high school, Wapahani Wapahani High School in Selma, yeah. Indiana, uh, you were an eleventh rounder to the Rays, and that seemed to me, I mean, like eleventh round is a pretty good selection coming out of high school. Did it did it did it weigh on you as to whether or not? go ahead and start your professional career then, or did you have your sights set on a collegiate career as then, you know, you went on to, to play for the Wildcats at Kentucky? Yeah, it was definitely a tough decision. Um, you know, going into the draft that year, I, I felt like I was ready for pro ball. I thought that's what I wanted. Um, you know, started getting the ball rolling with all that stuff. And luckily I made the right decision. I think uh, going to school for three years definitely helped me. Um, paid a little bit better. But uh, I think I was I was in a better spot baseball wise and mentally, and it, it was the right choice for me. Yeah. So you did play in the SEC. You were all SEC as a starting pitcher, all American as well. Um, I, I'm curious as we we break into your collegiate national team experience in 2018. Um, we'll get into finding out you were on the team because I am always interested to hear what people's reactions are if they expected it, things like that. Um, when you got there. Speaking of the SEC, you had to make friends with SEC foes. What what was that like? Because, you know, I'm sure some of these guys you had probably seen in like travel ball circuits beforehand. And obviously you 
you see them around and get to know them during a regular season uh, of conference play. But was that, are there some examples of, you know, like um, I'm trying to remember who all was, was on that team from the SEC. Um, let me pull up the roster and I'll, I'll, I'll list some like Daniel Cabrera was, was mm-hmm. a guy, he was a two way guy from LSU. So, you know, he was a, a pitcher on that staff sort of um, let's see who else was pitching from the SEC, Matt Cronin of Arkansas, uh, Tanner Burns of, of Auburn guys like that. Was it, was it sort of weird for you at first? Zach Hess from LSU as well. Was it sort of weird at first sort of being on a team with them when, when you're normally rivals? No, actually, um, it was more of a more of a, a bonding point. Really, it was like you know, all these guys have been through that same tough league that some of these other guys haven't seen. Just what the SEC is like. So you know, just kind of being able to connect over that, um, being able to to talk some trash here and there, and that sort of thing with those guys. That was always, that was that was a lot of fun with that team. Uh, was it? Was it? I guess more interesting getting to know like the West coast guys, like I know Kenyon Yovan was on that team and um, some, some other guys from, from out West. Let's see, there was a, uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to not get it mixed up. I always feel bad if I say wrong names um, from other years, Jack little from Stanford was on that team. Um, you had other guys, Parker Caracy was one from the sec. I didn't even mention, um, but you had guys from out West. So I, I, to me, it's always an interesting experiment because there are SEC guys from like the South. In your case, you're from Indiana, but just played in, in the SEC. So you sort of get both of those worlds. There are the West Coast guys because the Pac-12 is always really good in baseball. And then there are like the Texas guys. And it's just th- totally different dynamics getting thrown onto a roster. Um, h- how did you see it, right? I mean, you, you were – you were sort of uh, thrown, and not that you hadn't been thrown into those types of situations with different teammates from from all over the place, but um, it's it just always seems like an interesting mix to me. How did you view it uh, with that that pitching staff in particular? Yeah, no, it was cool. Um, you know, that first week uh, I got to be buddies with with Jack Little, like you were talking about. Uh, you know, got to be really good friends with uh, Graham Stinson, you know, the Duke. So just kind of seeing what the I feel like the ACC plays a lot like the SEC, but out West, it's, it's a different ball game. Just how the Pac-12 plays, it's a, it's a lot different, but uh, got along great with all those guys. How did you find out that you were going to be invited to, to, to train with the collegiate national team and, and, and compete for a spot on the, their final roster? So I, I remember, um, I think I had, I had talked to Coach Bellinger, my pitching coach, um, before I left campus that spring. Um, you know, flew out there and we went through, I think the first week or two was, was really kind of tryouts. And then, um, they pulled us in to the hotel one day for, for player meetings. And that was when I found out talking to coach Maneri and coach O'Connor, those guys. A quick break in the action. We'll get back to Zach Thompson shortly, but here's a friendly reminder that Mother's Day and Father's Day are right around the corner, or maybe you have birthdays to keep in mind and you're not sure what to get the baseball lovers in your life. Well, fret not because you can give them a choice by giving a usabaseballshop.com gift card. Then it's not on you to select one of the many great USA Baseball caps, shirts, hoodies, or accessories for them. 
Much like having too many good players and not enough spots in the lineup is a good problem to have for a baseball team, having so many great products to choose from, a good problem to have. Give your friends and loved ones a good problem with a gift card from usabaseballshop.com today. Had you had you ever traveled internationally prior to that summer? I know with with some guys it's it's a thing that they've done. Um, but a lot of guys, that's sort of their first international travel. And you had the really cool opportunity with that team in 2018 to go to Cuba. And you, and you played in, in Cuba, which is something that a, 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 a national team of any kind had not done for quite a while. So, um, okay, so I saw you shaking your head. No, you, you've, you, you had not traveled internationally okay. to that point. What was that experience like? You know, it's a different way of life, uh, different language. Um, they play baseball a little different. Everything was just, it was a really cool experience. Really good, good uh, chance to learn about the culture down there and um, compete against some really good players. Uh, it, it was cool. It was like, it was like a forbidden world almost, you know, people, like you said, don't really go to Cuba. So it was a really cool thing to experience. And um, what about, you know, you, you just briefly alluded to style of play. I'm always interested to hear your guys' take on, um, you know, it's the same sport, baseball, everywhere you go, to a degree. You're, you're speaking the same language, but it's almost like the comparison would be it's the same language. There are just different dialects. So you played and you, and you pitched specifically against the Chinese Taipei, I know, in that first series um, that was hosted in, in the U.S. And then there was the series against Japan. And then you got to saw see Cuba play baseball. What were your impressions of, of just the international styles of play? Yeah. So that was really neat. Um, I, to me, I felt like Taiwan and Japan played very similarly. Um, you know, they, they drill home the fundamentals. They do everything the right way. Um, they make the routine plays and they always, they play for one run. They are up there swinging for the fence. Um, you know, we, we saw it in BP. They have the power, but they're going to bunt. They're going to try to small ball you. Um, they're just going to do the little things right and try to play for a run and hold you on defense. Uh, they ran fast. They hit hard. It was, it was just a complete 180 from the way the two Asian teams played. What do you remember? I, I think the 2018 series against Japan is one of the, the favorite series of mine that I have called for Team USA and it was because, look, man, like the, the fourth, the game on the fourth is always so cool. What they do with, you know, sometimes it's in Durham, sometimes it's in Charlotte. That year, I know it was in Durham and, and the city of Durham's official fireworks display or what take place at the field after the game. So it's usually a packed house and it's always a lot of fun. Th- those two games were a couple of consecutive one to zero games. You guys lost one, you won one. And there was a, a big rain delay in the middle of one of them, which I think was the fourth game um, right. or the game on July 4th. And there was that uh, Matsumoto guy who pitched for Japan. And he blew me away because he – and this kind of goes back to the cultural and stylistic differences of Japanese baseball. He tossed like – what was it? Like four or five innings and struck out 10 or 12 guys. And then there's this hour-long rain delay. And he comes back out and strikes out more play. He ends up with with sixteen Ks. Uh, do you remember like 
thinking anything about that in particular as it, as it was happening? Yeah. Um, first of all, that, that guy was really good. Um, really <laughs> nasty breaking balls. The splitter was good. Uh, but it, it always intrigued me. Both Asian teams did it. Um, from the first pitch of the game, they, they had double barrel going in the bullpen the whole game. Uh, those guys just, they throw but at the same time, it didn't shock me knowing that, that he would come back out after a rain delay, having thrown five or six innings or whatever it was. They just, they throw a ton of pitches. It's, it's incredible to watch. What, what, what do you remember about, I already mentioned Adley, Rutschman, sort of, uh, you know, they had just won the College World Series with Oregon State. So he was sort of a, a late ad. He was on the roster, but he got there a little bit later than everybody else. And he joined the team on the third, the day before that in Charlotte. And I remember him pinch hitting in a scenario where it was just like, okay, he just got here today. I'm not even sure he has all of his 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 equipment and his entire uniform or whatever, but he's getting thrown into a game and he hit the most, Zach, he hit the most like effortless double to the wall that I, I've seen in my life. Um, but it was just, it, it, it was like a cool moment to where it was just like, uh, you know, these are the types of players that come into these these settings and play with this collegiate national team. And, you know, even even a Daniel Cabrera from LSU was was sort of a late ad and came in and he turned out to be one of the one of the best hitters on the team in that stretch. Um, I, I don't know if I've got a specific question about that, but you can tell me anything that you you remember from that game and Adley being plugged into the to the game. But you know, the other question there too is just about the collection of talent that's that's there. Um, you had played with some some talented teams before, but I would imagine you would consider that to that point in your career like the most talented group you had you had played with. Absolutely. Um, I mean, we had we had the last two first overall picks. Um, we had countless first rounders on that team, just loaded with talent. But um, like you said, Adley goes from playing for a national championship to he's playing against Japan. I don't know, two or three days later, um, due to uh, incredible talent. Um, he's, he's very competitive at the plate. He's tough out, uh, great guy to throw to, you know, just a really smart, a really smart catcher. And then um, like DC, like you were talking about uh, late ad, we had a guy, I remember running to the wall in tryouts and get hurt. And we called DC up and he ends up, I think he led the team in average that summer. So this yeah. the amount of talent that was, available. It was, it was incredible. <laughs> um, I, I've, I've read quotes from Cardinal scouts about, you know, one of the, they like you for a number of reasons as is indicative by your, your 19th overall selection to them in 2019. Um, one of the things that I, I see them rave about you for a lot is your, your willingness to learn and, and sort of take, take from others. And it just reminded me of the setting of the collegiate national team. I talked about getting along with SEC guys and guys from the West Coast and from Texas. Um, that's totally separate from the idea that, you know, perhaps you go into the collegiate national team setting with trying to to glean something from their games and, and see what you can add to your own game afterward was there anything that you you maybe started to do differently following that summer in 2018 yeah um you know going into it 
So the season prior to being picked for the team, um, I missed some time uh, with an injury and coming back, it was like, okay, you know, I'm a hundred percent, but I'm not really built up. So I'm going to go into this, obviously going to try to make the team, but I'm going to try to learn what I can while I'm there because I'm not going to expect too much. You know, I'm not at the top of my game. So coming in, working with Brian O'Connor from UVA, um, just trying to pick up everything I could from him mostly. Um, you know, everybody there was just so knowledgeable. Our whole staff was littered full of college coaches, ex-pro players, uh, you know, being around all these other first-rounders from from our year. Um, just, just trying to pick up little things here and there, you know, and catch play, you'll pick something up, talking to guys, talking to coaches. So I felt like I got a lot better that summer. Um, and I, this is another thing, as I was sort of perusing the, some of the profiles that had been uh, written about you from Cardinals media, this was another thing that, that popped up to all of them, was that entering that draft, they raved about your, your 3,000-plus RPM spin rate on your your curve um it occurs to me that that was the case before they even got a hold of you and sort of before that really started to take hold is something that teams universally held as a priority right i mean even even just two or three years ago it wasn't as emphasized as it was um i'm curious how do you balance sort of well yeah that's just sort of the way I've always thrown it because the idea is to get, you know, in a very simple way, the idea of a breaking ball is to get as much spin on it as possible. So it's not something you really ever thought about putting a number to. Uh, how do you balance that with, you know, maybe now I'm sure you're getting instructions specifically about like what's a good number for for a spin rate and what's, you know, what you should should maybe aim for more of with the spin rate. How, how do you balance that sort of that talk with okay, well, this is just how I've always thrown it, so I'm it's always worked, so I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. You know, honestly, for the most part, coaches have kind of been hands off on the curveball because we've all kind of known it's a little bit of a unicorn. So, for me, <laughs> over the last probably five years, um, with coaches, with other players, you know, I talked a lot with uh, Adam Wainwright last spring training because I was having I was having trouble commanding it, and really everything everything all those conversations with those guys was more about, you know, finesse and feel and maybe usage of the pitch or, you know, if I'm missing here, I need to feel this in my mechanics more so than, okay, your curveball sucks. We need to get the spin rate up or, you know, it's breaking too much. We need to change this or we need to move this. It was just, it's more of a mindset and a usage thing for the curveball for me. No. And to me, that makes sense, right? Because like in a lot of contexts, I think the, the people who are extremists with the, the numbers can, can try to be, they can be trying to fix things that aren't broken. Right. And from your perspective, if that's what's working and what's always worked, you know, no, no need to, to mess with it too much. Um, so that's good. That's comforting for me to hear that, that you get into a major league organization and they're not trying to tinker too much with something that's already been, been effective. Right. And uh, I mean, that's kind of been their, their approach from the beginning is, you know, we, we drafted you because we believe in you. So, you know, prove us wrong, basically. Um, you know, there's, there's obviously there's, more coaching involved than that. But um, for the most part, it's, it's just fine tuning. It's not 
okay, we drafted you as a project. It's okay. We drafted you as a pitcher. We'll fine tune a few things, you know, modify your routine for pro ball, but we're not going to redesign you. Um, something else Cardinal specific here. And th- th- this strikes me as, as an interesting story because like you were born in 1997. I don't know that you would have been aware of a guy like Daryl Kyle in his career. Uh, prior to joining the Cardinals organization. Um, he's a guy that had a, a, a tragic death during his career, was a, a longtime Cardinal, and he wore the number 57. And no one until this spring had donned number 5-7 for the Cardinals until you did it. And I, I'm, I'm of the understanding that you even had some like fans approach you in that setting just to say, hey, it's cool to have a number 57 back. Um, was was there any kind of conversation before that, that number got put on you about sort of the organization's expectations for someone wearing that number as the first person to do it since Daryl Kyle? Yeah, so, you know, like you said, um, DK died when I was four. So uh, I, I really didn't know his story at all. Um, you know, I was sitting at home. This would have been in about January and found out I had just gotten my invite to big league camp and the big league clubhouse manager texted me like, you know, just running through all the, the basic pre-camp stuff. He's like, I've got a new number for you this year. Um, you know, it's important to me. I'll tell you about it when you get here. I'm like, all right, cool. Show up. And he kind of pulled me aside and told me about DK and, you know, how good of a friend he was and what he meant to the organization and the fans and, um, you know, I, I went home, did a little bit of research, and then uh, Derek Gould, beat writer for the Cardinals, called me, and we had probably, I don't know, maybe an hour conversation about DK. You know, he was uh, – Derek was still pretty new on the scene, but he knew DK a little bit. Uh, Talked talk about how great of a guy he was. So, you know, just trying to, trying to live up to that, um, you know, honor DK. He was obviously – he was great to the organization, great to the fans. Um, you know, I've had I've had some fans reach out and be really supportive, and there's some others that uh, it's still a soft spot for them, and they aren't ready huh. to see 57 back out there. But you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna do everything to uh, to make them proud, to make uh, the Kyle family proud. For sure, no, and 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 again, my impression is they they sort of saddled you with that because they believe that you're the type of guy that that can do that with grace and. Um, you know, given your your history with our organization, you know, we we tend to agree. So we're uh, pumped and and proud that it's that it's you. That they feel good about in that setting for sure. Um, last thing, it. it's a huge honor. Yeah, for sure, man, for sure. Uh, last thing for you, Zach. Before we let you go, uh, you are twenty three. You'll be twenty four toward the end of this season. It has been and look, I I don't expect that you really have a ton of concern for these these sorts of things but again um the i think the expectation with a lot of the cardinals fan base is that by like 2022 you're someone who's in the rotation and and a a a pretty regular starting pitcher for the big league club there now again that track sort of is a little upset by what happened last season Right. And and the experience component in in your path up to the majors. 
Um, what do you expect out of this season for yourself? Like you said, you're, you're at the alternate site right now. Um, the, the minor league season is set to begin here in a few weeks, although I saw some rumors that maybe it's going to get pushed back two or four more weeks, so who knows. Uh, what, what are your expectations as much as you can have expectations for a season like this? Right. I think um, just with everything that happened last year, uh, just trying to take it day by day and not expect too much. You know, we, we never expected to have the season canceled last year. So uh, going into this year, obviously, we all know what the, the end goal is. But for me, um, I just expect to try to get a little bit better every day, um, command the ball better and, you know, pick up, pick up everything I can from the older guys, from the coaching staff and just try to try to move along, you know, take it a day at a time. And who knows where we'll end up in September, October. Hopefully it'll be something good. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, we certainly hope so. Uh, we're proud to have you as a USA Baseball alum. Proud to have you uh, crushing it, wearing the number 57 for the Cardinals, representing uh, us and, and many others um, in, in good fashion. And again, with the grace that you do. So we appreciate that. We appreciate your time here on Covering the Bases, the official podcast of USA Baseball. And we'll catch up again soon. All right. Best of luck this year. Awesome. Proud to be a USA alum. Thanks. Great stuff with Zach Thompson. My thanks to him for making some time for us while he's at the alternate site there in St. Louis, getting ready for the Cardinals and uh, a minor league season that will will begin shortly for him. And then who knows, maybe, maybe a September call-up. I've seen it. It suggested that he is expected to be sort of a a fast riser through the the minor leagues with the Cardinals and 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 can be expected to, as I mentioned, be a middle of the rotation guy as as soon as next year, twenty twenty two, for the Cardinals at the big league level. So that's it's cool and and will be cool to see him get that opportunity, whether it comes this year or next year. Just a, a really good dude that again, very easy to root for in Zach Thompson. But that does it for episode 45 of Covering the Bases, the official podcast of USA Baseball. My thanks to you for checking it out, whether it was just for this edition or if you're a loyal listener, or maybe you're listening back and you haven't even gotten to the first 44 episodes that we did prior to this one. Um, you go back and check out Mike Sosha, who's going to manage Team USA in Olympic qualifiers. That was our last episode before Zach, so I'd certainly encourage you to to listen into that one, former uh, LA Angels and Anaheim Angels manager, former catcher for the LA Dodgers. A lot of good stuff in that one. So um, we certainly appreciate you checking out this episode and any of the others that you do. But that does it for us here on episode 45. And we'll catch you later 